Freedom Federal Credit Union is featuring a 0% APR for 15 months on purchases and balance transfers. For every dollar you spend on Freedom's Visa Platinum Rewards credit card, earn three times the points on restaurants, two times the points on gas and groceries, and one point on everything else, plus a 2,500-point bonus on your first purchase. Apply at freedomfcu.org visa. APR is annual percentage rate. Rates are available on approved credit. Federally insured by the NCUA. Full terms and disclosures at freedomfcu.org visa. First of all, I want to thank Freedom Federal Credit Union for sponsoring this special episode of the Hartford County Living Show. This is the second and final part of our Veterans Day special. Actually, on this episode, I sat back and I had Rose Madeira, who is the president of the Joppa Magnolia Leo Club. She more or less ran it. Uh, she had some questions for some veterans, and we had a group of veterans sit in, myself being a Marine Corps veteran. I had Lyle, who you've heard Lyle on the show several times. He's an Air Force veteran. And I had another guy who I had to disguise his voice because of what he has done in the military. Uh, we could not use his name or anything. But uh, we also had a very special guest, Bob Banker, who is a Korean War veteran and actually put together a book. And I want to thank Bob for presenting the Joppatown Lions Club with this book. He was invited back to Korea last year, and it was all expenses paid, and there was a group of veterans that went back. But you'll hear more about that story you know, on this episode. I want to thank all the veterans out there, and not just the veterans. I also want to thank those serving now. Uh, thank you. Thank you for everything you do and everything you have done. I know we hear it all the time, but one of the things, you know, I respect anybody that has served. We always crack, especially being a Marine, we're always cracking on other branches. The other branches crack on us. But in all honesty, we're a giant brotherhood and everyone, all you women, all you men, if you put on the uniform and you put that flag on your shoulder, you have my respect, and I want to say thank you. So sit back and relax, and I'm going to hand it over to Rose and let her do this episode of the Harford County Living Show for our veterans. This is the Harford County Living Show, voted as Harford County's favorite local podcast, Introducing you to local businesses, organizations, artists, musicians, and more. Hartford County Living, there's no place like it. Here's your host, Rich Bennett. Turn it over to me. Yes. Honored. All right. So, the first thing that's always on my mind with any vet that I see is what made you guys want to go into war? Like, enlist yourselves. In the war or in the military? I, both. <laughs> well, nobody really wants I to go into to, I war. Say, I, meant, I didn't mean to say war. I meant to say enlist yourself. But into I, okay. Yeah. Okay, I got you. Rose, during my time, I received a Western Union telegram from President Truman that I'm to report to a draft board. I was a draftee for two years. I had no choice. I go or they were going to come get me. I went. When I served in Korea. My uncle was a Marine, and he was in during the Vietnam War, but he was a gunner, you know, gunner on the Huey, and I always looked up to him. But I also looked up to my father, and my father was a Navy frogman during the Korean War. And um, so when I went to enlist, 
I actually quit my senior year of high school and let stop and went in, took the test for the Navy. I was 17 and my father was all excited and they were going to sign for me. And then when I went up to get the papers, a friend of mine drove me up who was in the Marine Corps <laughs> said, Hey, come here. I want to introduce you to somebody. And that's when I met Gunny Jones, the recruiter came home with papers to join the Marine Corps. And my parents, well, let me rephrase that. My parents didn't refuse to sign. My father refused to sign. Said I would never make it as a <clears throat> Marines. And he was upset that I wasn't going into the Navy. So um, June 19th, I turned 18. June 21st, I was in Paris Island, ready for the Marine Corps. And it was thanks to my father telling me I couldn't make it <laughs> is why I made it. Because every time mm. during, during basic and throughout my time in the Marine Corps, and even to the day, if somebody tells me I can't do it, I just think of my father telling me that. And I'm going to prove them wrong. And that's what I did. My father lost a good good case of imported beer to an Army colonel because of that. So that's why I joined, basically. My story's not nearly that exciting as, <laughs> as those two. Uh, my, my, mine was... Um, uh, I'll, I'll lengthen it a little bit. Uh high school girlfriend of two and a half years cheated on me with a guy I'd known for all my life. Um, <laughs> wow. Did some things that uh, helped me get over that, but um, my first day at college, she was in my uh, my college algebra course, and that day I withdrew from college, went to the Army enlistment, he was. I was the easiest sell he had that day, and three days later, I was off to Fort Benning, Georgia. My parents were not happy about that. Um, I guess not. No, they, they were not. Uh, that was not their plan for me. Um, Save them a but, bundle. Uh, <laughs> yeah. At that point, but uh, yeah, until he but, started, till the long distance calls. Okay. Right, but uh, but. So that's that's the short version, and a little longer version was my father's father was a uh, command sergeant major in the Signal Corps in the Army. My uncle was in Vietnam, and on my mother's side, my great uncle was actually a major at at Omaha Beach on D-Day. So nice. Yeah. So similar reasons. Um, I actually had planned to go in the Air Force with a buddy in high school, but I didn't turn 18 until uh, August of, of the year after graduating. So uh, my father would not sign either. Really? He wanted me to go to college. Now, my father's retired uh, Army at that point. Um, so that was the first thing. But the, the reasons behind it were kind of varied. One, uh, family tradition of military on both sides. Um, the Iranian hostage crisis was going on at that time, uh, so that kind of drove drove my decision a bit. And um, I was also looking looking for a way just to, to get out of Joptown, but here I am, <laughs> back again. Um, so I I, I went in uh, six months later, after my 18th birthday, one tour as a reservist and one tour as uh, active duty. I never realized that about you. I figured your father would be happy about that. Uh, he would have been happy probably if, had I gone 
uh, ROTC or something like that, right. yeah. uh, which is what he did. After World War II, he went to uh, went to college and, and got his commission. So he would have been happier for you to be an officer rather than yes. we enlisted folk. Yeah, officer and gentleman. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, he would have preferred that, but uh, you know, he did support it afterwards. But. I never did. Yeah, yeah Rose, with no. Bob being drafted, do you understand what the draft is? Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's something. When did they get rid of that? When did they stop? 69. 69. That was under uh, President Nixon. Okay. Even though you still have to register. And you still have to register now. Yeah. Today. Right. Selective because service. if they ever do bring back the draft, then. They will come and get you. Yeah. And just our women will be. Yes. Yes. as well. Yep. They damn well better not. <laughs> well, yeah, but you know they will. They will. No, they shouldn't. Never, they should, no, never. you're right. They shouldn't. I've seen soldiers who came home in a box. I don't want to see my sisters in no. in war come back in a box. I, no. I just have nightmares that, on that. That and you get affected more than just coming back in a box. It's It stays with you forever. War is war. Doesn't matter what you are. Being drafted or enlisted, how did that change your point of view on military itself? Ooh. Bob, I'll let you go first because yeah. you were the only one that was drafted. Well, I had no view on the military. The only view I had was that I was a possible draftee and that if they chose, they would select me and I would go down to the draft board and take the protocol to become a soldier. There was no choice, so it was just the way of life. Happened in World War Two. Happened War in my II. time and, and after. Yeah. And proud of that. Proud of the fact that many or most of the soldiers and other parts of the services were ones who were drafted. That changed everything, of course. But we had no choice about it. I commend people who walk in and raise their right hand and say, uh, I am here. I wish to serve my country. I raise my right hand to support the Constitution of the United States of America. I applaud them. Against all enemies, foreign and domestic. Mm-hmm. And True. once you take that oath, even after you're out, technically they can, that oath still stands. Yeah. They, they can. I took the oath a second time. Wow. Really? Yes. Wait a minute. All right, I, all right. Now I'm confused. Why'd you take it a second time? Well, I meant to confuse everybody. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> September 19th, 2001. Oh. Uh, 2001 was uh, September 11th, right. as we all remember. Right. And on that week, Wednesday, sitting on my lawn tractor mowing the lawn, getting mad as heck as everybody would. Mm-hmm. Something must be done, but what? How can anything be done? It's beyond the imagination of anybody. But I had the silly idea of a veteran to re-enlist because of the importance of what had happened. And I had that on September 19th, and over 200 veterans, generals down to privates, down to a fellow who was wearing his 1936 uniform, and it fitted. Wow. Wow. Down to someone fellow was in the Battle of the Bulge and places elsewhere. 
I conceived of that idea of a friend of mine. He was a veteran, too. He knew everybody in the VFW, the American Legion, and so on, so he concentrated on the side of the militaristic avenue that he would contact, get the word out that way. I would contact the Baltimore Sun, the radio stations, WBAL, WMBMD, and Harford County government and Bel Air government to get the word out. And came the morning at 10 a.m. on September 19th, we had a re-enlistment. Several hundred veterans were there. Wow. wow. Yeah. I never knew about that. I didn't know about that either. I yeah. thought you meant you, you went to re-enlist. Well, that's my re-enlistment. I went down yeah. to the draft board, as a matter of fact, not the draft board, the, the uh, Army Enlistment Office. <laughs> And the, the sergeant sitting there said, good morning, and how are you, or good afternoon, whichever it was. And I said, and good afternoon to you. And he said, what can we do for you? And I said, I'm here to re-enlist. You should have seen the look on his face. Well, yeah. <laughs> that was the same look I got when I called the Maryland Air Guard and said, you have room for me? He said, no, you're too old. So. That's, what, that's what I was told. <laughs> yeah. I went to the Marine Corps recruiter said, I wanted to re-enlist. And they're like, how old are you? And they said, well, you're too old. Well, this time the, the sergeant went to the commanding sergeant in the reenlistment office, and because I explained to him the purpose and so on, he chatted for about five or ten minutes to his comrade, and, and then he came back. Both of them said, "Yeah, we'll do that." Wow, very neat. I very wish nice. I would have known about that. I yeah. do too. Yeah. Well, I was on the radio, interviewed several stations. I was on the, uh, the newspaper, uh, tried to get the word out, but. It was the first time a captain of the Army said that it ever happened. And he was the one who swore everybody in. Wow. He said it never happened before, uh, period. Well, that was pretty neat. Yeah, yeah be so, I was just saying, yeah, uh, has it ever been done again? I'm not that aware you of know anything of? like that. It has to be an event to, to, well, to force yeah. that, I think. Yeah, that's true. 9-11 was that event. Yeah, you hear about it. Yeah, I didn't hear about it either because well, I was working down in. There was one. Was on there was one striking moment. The command sergeant of the Marine Corps, dressed in his finest blues, and I love the blues of the Marine Corps. I really do. Yeah. <sighs> Even I have to concede that the, the um, Marine, I, I the Marine enlisted. Darn thing. Yeah. So we were a cocky. <laughs> we're we're battle ready. Yeah, we do have the best looking uniform. NC, <laughs> NCOs have the best uniforms. The officers doesn't matter. <laughs> Doesn't matter. The Marine Corps have very nice uniforms. So where was I? You directed me off. <laughs> I'm sorry, sir. <laughs> uh, no, seriously, where was the re-enlisting uh, re re sergeant major? He called the veterans to attention. They were separated from the civilians. I did that. Civilians went over there, and the veterans over here. And a bus pulled up, and it was a veterans bus from Perry Point. Oh man! Oh, wow. And they were parked right there. So I asked the sergeant to call at ease and went over to find out what was going on. And so there were some veterans here from Prairie Point Hospital. They want to join. They were supposed to go out on some event that morning, but they told the person in charge of it this is where they wanted to be. And they drove up. They pulled up right on time. Couldn't have planned it better for a movie or for any event. So they said, well, we'll hold it while your guys come off and... They all came off in a wheelchair because they all had no legs. Oh, man. That's wow. where they wanted to be. And so they were. They came to the front rank and settled mm -hmm. in and 
nodded to the Marine Sergeant, carry on. Wow. That's a neat story. Yeah. <laughs> and it was written in the Aegis. I'll look that one up. Uh, September uh, 21st of uh, 01. And uh, as a matter of fact, a uh, month and a half later, uh, I happened to meet General Myers at a British embassy who they were hosting for Korean veterans. And I told him about this. General Myers, you may or may not know, was the top general, top person, Joint Chiefs of Staff, the head of it. Right, mm. right. Yeah. And I told him what we had done and so on. He was impressed. And he wanted a copy of a disc that we had made, uh, I had made, and sent to uh, uh, another guy, a colonel. And so he gave me the name and the phone number, called him, sent him in the, the disc of the uh, viewing. It was all four TV stations and such like that. Uh, about 12 months long. Pretty, pretty neat. Do you still have I thought I would hear about it. And then in January, I got a, a letter that said in the upper right, left-hand corner, General Myers. He wrote to me a personal letter of thanks. Ah, that's yeah. neat. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Something, to, something to treasure. Yeah. I got to find that video now. Mm. No, I would love to see that. I do have the video. If we can get together, I can show okay. you. Okay. Yeah, because I, I, that, I mean, you said you gave it to, what, the son? Or, well, you gave it to General Myers. Well, I made a number of copies. Okay. So, so it may be out there on the Internet somewhere, I would think. I have no idea. If not, we can get it out there. Well, I, that's a good <laughs> That'd be idea. a perfect thing for Veterans Day. Yeah. You know, it. to put out there. Wow. Yeah, because... The thing that I guess it made me mad was 2000, uh, yeah, 9-11. When I went down to re-enlist and they told me I was too old, and I think it was a little while after that, they raised the age. But I was still too old. No. But one of the things that I kicked myself in the tail for, and I found out because uh, one of my best friends who, who I served with, he re-enlisted. And I said, how'd you re-enlist? You're the same age as me. He, was, he stayed in the military longer, so they deducted that time no. off his age. And now, granted, he, he got messed out. up when his Humvee hit an IED, right. you know, and he got out of medical discharge, but he, do, he doesn't regret it. He said he would do, all, do it all over again. Yeah, I'm still waiting on your guys' answers. Oh, what? Oh, I forgot. Yeah. What was the original question? I'm sorry. <laughs> wow. I'm sorry. I said, um, well, how does you getting in? Did change your point of view on military? Oh, did it okay. Um, I, you know what? In all honesty, it made me proud. I mean, it made me very proud, um, especially when you know I graduated from boot camp, and because my parents were upset when I quit high school. But when my mother came up and she said that was the most impressive graduation ceremony she has ever seen better than any high school <laughs> graduation or anything. She says she was very impressed. I earned more respect from the military. I mean, you hear all the stories about boot camp getting hit and all that if you're out of line, but I can understand why they did that too. I mean, I got I got hit one time, but you're taught discipline. Um, now they can't do that. They can't even, supposedly, I, can't, I guess they can't even put their fingers in your face or whatever. It, it teaches you a lot. It taught me a lot. 
taught me discipline. It taught me respect. Respect is a key thing. And there's a, I think that's a problem nowadays. You have a lot of uh, the younger generation. They don't have respect for others. They don't even have respect for themselves. And it put me in shape. <laughs> I mean, I went in. I was 150-pound string bean. And after boot camp, I mean, I was. they put some weight on me and some muscle. So, um, no, I loved it. And it's, I guess it's, uh, I know if the Marine Corps, it's a brotherhood. I think of other branches. You know, it is, I don't know if it's as strong as the Marine Corps, but I think what's even a stronger brotherhood is veterans in general. Because I do believe that veterans look out for other veterans. Without doubt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'd say so. Without doubt. Yeah. Regardless of branch. Yeah. Right? But, no, I, I am, I looked, I'm proud that I did it. I think it's changed a lot today. But, I mean, that could be another discussion later. Yeah. I'll let, uh, I'll let the other two answer. <laughs> um, I, I was in right before they changed a lot of things pretty much about a year after um my discharge was when things really started changing and that's that's when you you couldn't hit i literally i was one of the last two three years where you you could hit um recruit. Hit, hit recruit and i never was but um when you're in you're you see the guys who think they're mr billy badass who has no discipline, who only cares about himself, mm-hmm. um, and <laughs> drill sergeants and other recruits um, teach him very quickly that it's not all about him. It's a team. It's, it's about it's a team effort. And I was very fortunate that I played sports. Plus, after getting out of high school and everything happened to me, I hit the gym very hard. Um, plus cardio. So I was, I wasn't the fittest, but I was probably, probably top five, um, in my class that was. And we had to tell, we had a couple of them. We had to kind of tell them, you need to back off because the guys who aren't in as good a shape as us, they're they're not going to be able to keep up, and the drill sergeant is going to start literally kicking their asses. So we need to find a happy medium and it's it's all about teamwork and you're only as strong as the weakest as the weakest one so that's it's that comes back to the teamwork part you're helping everybody else teamwork was not when i was in it was the drill sergeant oh boot camp in basic training not boot camp boot camp for you basic training okay (laughs) went through two months of infantry and two months of artillery 105s the sergeant was a returnee from active duty in Korea at that point. And believe it or not, his name was Coffin, C-O-F-F-I-N. Oh, jeez. <laughs> I assume it was the real name. I never questioned a sergeant. No. He said his name was such you and such. You do not ever, such such. ever question, question well, a drill my sergeant. my point is. Ever. This is 1951-52. That when he thought he wanted to get into your face, by God, you could smell his breath. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Nose to nose. <laughs> yeah. And the import that I took from that was that, well, I'm not here to play Parcheesi or anything after. <laughs> <laughs> no. My camp was, there was no graduation, no nothing. We just marched on the 
on the drill field, and the colonel saluted us, gave us a road, and that that. But his point was, I'm making you soldiers of war because that's where many of you are going to be headed. Mm. That was their job, right? And yeah. that was, you wouldn't see that today. Yeah. No. 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 And, it's, and, and, of course, basic or, or boot camp is very different during times of war versus times of theoretical peacetime. Well, prime example of that was 9-11. Yeah. A lot of your people, a lot of the people that joined the military before 9-11, they were going in for the GI Bill. Yep. They, they wanted that education. And the GI Bill basically paid for your college. And when 9-11 happened and Bush said this is going to be the longest war we ever fought because it's a, basically a war on terrorism, a lot of people in the military got upset. I didn't sign up for this. Well, I'm yeah, sorry. Was, you ra- <laughs> when you raise your right hand and you yeah. take that oath, you're taking the oath to protect your country. Yeah. That's that's one of the things that, that was a big disgrace in the first Gulf War in, in uh, uh, 91. And just, I mean, it, it, you probably remember the, the all the talk shows have all these young soldiers. You know, I didn't sign up for this. Mm-hmm. You know, and, yeah. And I, I, I it had been a whole generation since Vietnam. Right. I joined to get an education, and I joined as as a steady job and excuses like that. I mean, yeah. It was disgusting. It was it was a it was it was it was disgusting. It was a different mindset at that point. Yeah. No, I uh, for me, I mean, it was it was it was a great experience going in uh, boot camp. You know, you got exposed to people from all around the country. Um, you know, 18, 18, 19 years old, and, and you're. Um, you're meeting people that have totally different outlooks on life, totally different mm-hmm. environments they grow up in, opinions, everything else. I mean, we had the Billy Badasses, as you say. Uh, we had the, you know, the, the wallflowers and the, the ones that, that missed home so much that, you know. Uh, but that's where the that's where the teamwork came in. You pulled yeah. everybody yeah. through. Yeah. Brought the, you know, the, uh, uh, the high and mighty down, and you, you picked up the, picked the up one the that was missing mom and, in the, in the family, and you, and you brought him along, yeah. and um, that was great. Um, the first couple of years was was fine, but then it, it for me it got it got kind of boring. Um, you know, living here and going to Dover every you know one month or one weekend a month. And, wow, Lyle, <laughs> <laughs> your experience and and ours is vastly different. <laughs> Some people have it rough. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it did. I mean, you know, in early twenties. Um, I mean, looking back, I I, I would have or, or should have and would have gone active duty. Um, you loved it when you were overseas. Oh, I loved it. Being yeah. Overseas. Um, but I think part of the part of the reserve uh, was was a concession to my father because I did go to school when I when I got back from training. Um, but I think my my, my life and lifestyle at the time was not conducive to part-time military. Uh, so in, in 1983, I re-enlisted active duty. And uh, that was the best time of my life. I mean, I went to uh, uh, Lowry, Colorado, and, and then went overseas to Germany uh, for four years and traveled all over uh, Europe and Middle East and back across the pond a couple of times for fighter competitions and, and it was great it was the best experience of my life Wow! Uh, probably just should have extended it but <laughs> um, <laughs> that's about the time when I got out was about the time they were making all these radical changes and it was, yeah. it was not the same military yeah. for me so. 
No, I don't think it was the same for a lot. Well, especially three of us, because we were in basically around the same time. Yeah. You know, whereas Bob was, you know, in during the Korean War. Yeah. yeah. Um, and even from, you know, from then to us, when we went in, it was a big difference Big as well. difference, because you had mm-hmm. Vietnam and and some other things, too. I mean, you had, um, uh, I'm trying to think of the, uh, you had Panama. Um, was that during your time? Panama. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Then, of course, you had... Um, Granada, Granada, yeah. and uh, Grenada, yeah. um, and then Beirut, of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some others. Uh, but you know, you mentioned that it was very interesting. Uh, I worked with a uh, tremendous amount of Vietnam veterans. Uh, we had yeah. some, and they were—I mean, they were—they were older when I was in, but they were super tough dudes. And a lot of a lot of guys I served with, their older brothers were Vietnam veterans. And, so you know, learn quite a bit from them. Yeah. Um, there were still there were. Now I didn't know any personally, but there were still some Korean War vets in, in the upper echelons uh, when I first went in. You know, they were at the tail ends of their career, but uh, they were still around. And your father was in during Korea, right? Yeah. World War Two. Okay. okay. Oh, World War Two as well. Yeah. Okay. He, he joined the Navy and didn't see any combat, but he joined right. the Navy in World War Two, and then. Got out, went, went to college, got his commission, and then was a. He actually went to Korea as a transportation officer, but then switched to military police um, in 1951 and, uh, and finished his career, you know, as military police and intelligence. Him and Bob may have been stationed together, you never know. Yeah. Camp Drew, Japan. You weren't. Yeah. Were you in Japan, Mr. Japan? Bob? I had R&R in Japan. Okay. Uh, that was it. And Wait a minute. My, my father-in-law didn't lock you up, did did he? No one did. No one locked it up. It was, uh, it was a free offer, and I accepted the offer. And I yeah. uh, thought about it for years and years. It's like warfare is a hurricane, and all of a sudden the uh, the eye of the hurricane comes through, and you're transported to humanity, right? And and kindness, that's people, and, that's and then something the to get eye goes through, to. yeah, and the hurricane comes back. <laughs> and I'm back to where I was. Yeah. That's how I so, think of it. Yeah, that's an that's a excellent way to put it. Yeah. To, to look at it. Were you, were you infantry? Yeah. I thought so. 311. Yeah, I was, I was uh, uh, 14th um, Infantry Division, um, 10th Mountain. I asked a general. A general had paratrooper wings on his shirt. And uh, that's about five years ago. Uh, he was the commanding officer of APG. Uh, I said, General, uh, why, why, uh, why do you have jumped wings, sir? Why the, sir? Uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the paratroop wings? Because who would want to jump out of a perfectly good airplane? <laughs> <laughs> so he looked at me quizzically for a minute or two, but he had no answer. Yeah. <laughs> and then he finally said, because I like to. It's That's what he said. He looks uh, He wasn't yeah. going to mess it up, and there's a certain thrill, I guess, of, of, of doing that, damned if I would. but uh. I, I did it 22 times in the United States Army, and then, unfortunately, I got talked into doing it another 61 times as a wildland <laughs> firefighter. Yeah. And, uh, talked in to doing it. He's jumping out of an airplane. <laughs> my uncle, uh, when I was in college, because after, after I my discharge and 
honorable discharge. I always have to preface that. Honorable discharge mm-hmm. is like graduating from your university. Not saying you went to your university, actually graduate from your university. <laughs> but during, because the GI Bill didn't cover all of my tuition, especially since I was out of state and I was working, I, so I had to work jobs. And I'd work two to three jobs down in North Carolina where I was, and I'd come back to Maryland, and I worked full-time for Department of Natural Resources. And, um, and a relative in the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service somewhere in the United States <laughs> uh, said that it would be a good idea to um, be a wildland firefighter. And uh, then they saw that um, <laughs> after I was... Uh, did the base, basic qualifications for wildland firefighter. Um, somebody noticed that I was jump qualified in the United States Army, and then I became a smoke jumper. So Those guys are nuts. Yes. <laughs> Former after, smoke jumper currently. After 100 jumps, it's just second hand. It was, uh, it was actually when I was, after I got down from my 80 something I'm, I'm not going to say how many um, but 80 something jump uh, when, when I got down when we got finished that fire I was just like yeah I'm done yeah. that that point that part of my life was going to be officially in my past so no, no taking your son when he's 18 to do a civilian jump that was the only only time that I might do it yeah. and even then it, I, I preface that with might if he wants to Up and do it for my son because he's my son and I love him very much. <laughs> that is the only way I would do. I, I would jump out of a perfectly good airplane again for the rest of my life. I think I can speak for all of us. Once you get out of basic or boot, um, it definitely it it will it changes you. So you guys were talking about all these changes that are happening. From when we were into now? Yeah. yeah. So, like, obviously, I don't know what they are, so maybe... Equipment's a hell of a lot better. Like, when, um, I, I'm... Do you, no, you're do you mind if I jump in, guys? <laughs> nope. Air Force. Air Force is a whole lot better. I'm glad you jumped in. Um, <laughs> the equipment is so radically different than it was from 20 years ago. It's, it's so much better. One of my, um, one of my MOSs, um, was... 25 Charlie, um, and that's a radio operator, but not only was I a radio operator, I was also the designated marksman for my platoon, and instead of carrying an uh, M4, I was carrying a, I think you had him in Korea, um, the M14. Um, you didn't, you were still using yeah, the Grand, and you were still using the Grand stand. Um, but right after the M1 Grand, there was the M14 that was, it's great. It's extremely accurate. It's very powerful, but it is heavy. And I had to carry 300 rounds of 7.62 NATO rounds along with a very heavy comms communications pack. And that sucked. So <laughs> these days you have much Equipment's much better, much lighter. It's that's that's a big one. Um, so some things are not good. I I'm old school hard ass, and that if somebody's being a jerk in basic, you should I have a question. Be able to smack the hell out of them. Mm-hmm. 
I have a question for you. Yes, sir. It has to do with physics. Yeah, 300 pounds of... 300, ra- 300 rounds. 300 rounds. 300 rounds of 7.62 uh, the, the, the weight of the parachute, the weight of the equipment you carry, the weight of the rounds is a bit heavy set, okay? It's about roughly 100 pounds, yes, sir. Okay. With and without that, do you drop faster with it or not? It's the same. It's the same, believe it or not. You, you drop the same. But it's just, it's very... And that's, and, and, of, and that's the law of physics. It is. <laughs> yeah. You drop the same. If you're, if you're, <laughs> jump, if you forget your parachute, you still drop at, <laughs> <laughs> you are still dropping at 120 miles an hour. I don't think no the, matter jump, how much the jump master is going to say go to the rear. <laughs> no. <laughs> But that's the law of physics. So yeah, even if you're a, if you're if you're a hundred hundred and fifty pound guy versus two hundred and fifty pound guy, yeah, and, until the jump and all of mine were static jumps, every single one, which means instead of pulling your ripcord after you've been free falling for a while, uh, it automatically oh, opens for you. I met a uh, paratrooper, first one really, uh, that I talked to, and. Uh, uh, Wings on, on the shirt, and uh, I guess she was about 110 pounds, and said she had to carry 75 pounds of equipment or so. Yes, <laughs> and she was better jumping than than anything else because it was held up by the parachute. Right. Yeah, <laughs> but she was. Yeah, I, when I, I was wildland firefighter. Yeah, when I was wildland firefighter, there were young ladies who 110, 120 pounds. And they were as tough or tougher than any of the 200-pound guys. Mm-hmm. They were tough as nails, man, in just incredible shape. I'm just shockingly incredible shape. Now, I saw a lot of changes when I got out, uh, up to the time I got out. And uh, just in the, the performance standards, uh, what was expected of this, I'm speaking solely of the Air Force, but... Um, you know, you've heard you've heard a lot of people make the statement, "Well, they'll let anybody in now." Well, they did back then in the, in the late '90s or '80s. Um, they were kind of relaxing standards. Um, discipline was laxing, uh, lax, and um, it, which you, which you saw great evidence of across the services in the first Gulf War when you saw these these young soldiers on, you know, Springer and, and Donahue, uh, or what's his name, not Donahue. The, Maury, Maury Thomas's husband, uh, Maury Povich, and uh, whoever, you know the white-haired guy that Marlo Thomas was married to. Come on, there, you know I didn't join the military to fight. You know I didn't join to get yelled at, and I didn't, you know, I, I joined for an education and a job and, and all the rest. But what what did it for me is I came back here. My last store is in, in uh, Utah, Gill Air Force Base. And I came back here, and I was gonna, I was gonna. Actually, had plans of finishing out at, uh, at at Martin's, the Air Guard, and I went down there, joined. Uh, but the day that I processed in, I was walking across the parking lot from the from the personnel office, and there was a uh, an Air Force personnel van, and there's a an officer, a major, leaning in the front window, talking to whoever was in there. Well, up comes this young lady, slick sleeve right behind him, puts her hands over his eyes, you know, pick a boo, guess who? That's it. And the guy's playing the game with her. And I said, no, not for me. 
Um, both in the military. Both also in, in uniform in the military. Yeah. No. Uh, that's. Like, no. So I. I wow. I, I lasted six months. I processed out. I got my DD 214. Honorable. Uh, <laughs> Always preface with honorable. And I was done. Ironically, what uh, 12 years later, 13 years, you know, 12 years later, I called them up to see if I could re-enlist. <laughs> but um, no, that was it for me. It was just the, the standards and performance were were going south. And, and, uh, not that I was, you know, high and mighty in the, in the uh, you know, the top soldier in the in the, in the service. But mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I, no. was, I was born, yeah. uh, born and raised by a military officer, and, and you know, I had served. And, and Certain things and they yeah. aren't there. So, I think the same. biggest little bit of regret, but you know, the biggest difference none. I'm seeing. <laughs> none, I'm sorry, none for me. And I was, I was in, like I said, I was in less than any of the gentlemen here. But yeah, no regrets. Okay. No. The biggest difference when I, I was see done, I was is done. battle-wise. I mean, when we were in, even when Bob was in, we would have never thought that we could be sitting here in the states and flying a machine over in the Middle East bombing people. No. You know, with the drones and everything. No. I think, and I think one of the things that I always believed, you know, you need, you need feet on the ground. Yep. I've always, I guess that's just my infantry mind. You need, you need Same. feet on the ground. It, you, you need, yeah. you need to have eyes on. And, and again, one of the biggest things is when your eyes on the ground is uh, whether to, or even more importantly, whether not to, the trigger right because very and important. I'm not, I don't want to name the president but there have been presidents in the past that we've had conflicts and they've ordered bomb raids blowing up wrong things you know but if there's eyes over there that makes a big difference um, the other difference when I was in when I went into boot basic training <laughs> in 81 I mean I loved it I mean it, it was it was hard um, but I think it was a year later, and this may have been all military, they took out pugil stick fighting. And what that is, it looks like a giant Q-tip, and you get wear a helmet, so it's basically like you're having the rifle and the bayonet. So that was your, that's, you got, we had pugil stick fighting. It, it was great, but some kid got hurt, went crying to his congressman, so they cut it out. Luckily, they brought it back, but still, I mean, a lot of people missed that training, and that, I That's good it's, training to have. It's very good training. I didn't have that. But I, I think that another thing that I don't like is, and guys, correct me if I'm wrong about this, but they have, if you join the military I today, I think you have up to 90 days to where you can ask for separation. From Really? Yeah, recruits can. Yeah, if you don't you like wow. it. I don't know. But I, think it, I think it's yeah. 90 days. Whereas before, you you... I guess you could change this word. You weren't getting it because you were still, no, you were there. You, you signed up you were there. Cause I do know that I did have one guy when, when I went through basic, we had one guy that kept trying to get out. I mean, to the point he drank a bottle of whisk, jumped that third floor window, broke his arm on. He tried everything. And like, no, <laughs> finally, yeah, he had signed papers stating something, but he got out. Um, uh, that's, I mean, that's one of the biggest differences I see. And I guess because of the advanced weaponry, it's a plus for, in some aspects. 
But yeah. I think. But I wanted to say, let the, let the uh, re let the record show that it was the Marine Corps who had the recruits and mommy come down to Paris Island because the drill sergeant yelled at him too much and mm. uh, got got that changed. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> the services rode right along. Oh yeah, I'm Corps sure it was. It probably was because I mean that's the other thing. It's you drill instructors are the ones that train you in, in basic training. I mean, it's before they were they were saying everything. And Bob, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm sure you went through this about your mother, about your girlfriend. They would say whatever they wanted to because it was a mindset. They were getting into your mind, you know, putting their hands in your face, you know, getting nose to nose. They can't do that anymore. It's, they were preparing us for war. Yeah, exactly what it was, and which and that's another thing that I don't understand too. And this whole thing about waterboarding, remember, with the torture and everything after 9/11, um, you know these people are complaining about they're, they're they're you know they're torturing torturing these people that they're capturing and all this. What do you think they're doing to us? They were beheading our people, you know, but and videotaping it, and so, and you have to be trained for that. If you're going to be tortured, you have to be prepared. And if I'm sorry, if somebody, if you're going to get upset because somebody's up in your face yelling, no, you're no, not going to you be don't, prepared. Don't here. Yeah. So I mean, that's I, that's one of the biggest changes I've seen. But I know Bob has seen a lot <laughs> of different changes. I'm sure. Well, well, there are, but I'm only interested in what I did and just read about what you guys did and read again about what people today do. Yeah. Uh, it, it's different. Just the times they are changing. Somebody said that. Yeah, they are. Yeah. yeah. But and even the VA has changed a lot. Now I, I'm not a. Are, are you a member of the VA? Yeah. Okay, you're a member. I mean, how mm -hmm. how much has that changed? I mean, hopefully for the better. Well, it's it's on the right path. I mean, right. It's, it's it still has a lot of, a lot of work to be done, but yeah, it's it's better than it used to be. I had open heart surgery. Yeah. In 2010. Replaced the aortic valve in the heart. Two years later, the left hip replacement. I feel I'm receiving excellent medical care. That's good. Excellent. Ever since and to today, and talking to several years ago to a woman, she was an x-ray technician. So she completed the x-rays taken on whatever, chest and so on. And I thanked her, and, and she says, well, I try. And I looked directly at her, and I said, no, you don't try. You do it. And she looked at me like darts were going my <laughs> way. I mean, truly. <laughs> so I said, but think of it this way. What has happened over the years is that all of this is so much part of you. And the simple answer is you simply don't have to try. It's who you are, and I thank you. Wow. Yep. yep. If you don't mind me asking, about how long did you have to wait for your for your heart surgery? Actually, uh, about a little over a month. That was all. Really? Yeah. Man, so the VA has gotten a lot better then. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I mean, I think that's one of the biggest complaints you've heard in, in the past was, yeah, the wait a long time to get in for it. Well, I went through Perry Point and uh, maybe Perry. have better influence. I don't know. Went down to Washington D.C. VA Hospital where they they did the work and. 
they, they thought there was something wrong with my heart, and uh, the, the cardiologist uh, couldn't get me to agree to it, and, and he said, well, we can check on it and run a needle through your arteries and so on and take a look. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll settle for that. So I went down there, spent a whole day, and uh, they, they took all the pictures they wanted to and so on, and then a couple of weeks later, whatever, had a consult with my cardiologist, my wife was with me, and uh, he explained this and that and the other thing, and I'm checking off my mind, yeah, 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 yeah. And then he said one word, and I knew I was doomed. He said, but. You never like to hear but. Exactly. <laughs> so I came to attention at that particular point, and he described the deterioration within the aortic valve, and that sooner, not later, you will be past tense. Mm. So with that in mind, I agreed to then have the open-heart surgery, because he said I should be in the 95 percentile of, of success. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought, well, that's a pretty good thing to be that's in. That's good, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. So I felt pretty good about that. You don't want that. to be in the 5 percent of success. Exactly. <laughs> well, there's all the things those guys, women yeah. would have. But I had it. My wife came with me. My daughter came with me and um, settled me in. And then the next morning, they're going to, a few mornings later, they take me for the surgery on June 25th, as a matter of fact. I had been invited that June 25th to be in the congressional building because they were holding a party, so to speak, hosted by the uh, House Speaker, Nancy Pelosi, and uh, I had to call her office to let her know that I was having heart surgery and wouldn't be there that day, no. and uh, wished me well. Mm. So on that morning, I told my wife and children not to come down and see me at 6 a.m. because all they'd see me is 15 minutes I get on the, uh, the, the bed that they'd push me on to where they wanted me to go. I felt confident about things. Coming down around 11.30 noontime. Otherwise, they'd have to get up at 2 a.m. or so to meet me. And, and as it turned out, that worked out very, very well. Yeah. I was uh, transported by the doctors and staff and into the operating room. And I asked one doctor uh, who was giving me the, uh, uh, the stuff to put you to sleep. And I said, how long will it take before it works? He said, about 10 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the last, that's the last I remember. <laughs> so I uh, woke up somewhere around early afternoon. And how I woke up was my wife holding my hand. I had tubes in my throat and so on. But by the simple nature of holding my hand, spoke volumes, didn't have to say a word, and a smile on her face. And then my daughters did the same, and that's how I woke up. Next morning, they took out the uh, the tubes and so on, and we could carry on a conversation. Wow. Very good. Yeah. But they're people very, very good, and I, have to, I tell them all the time, wherever, how much I appreciate them. I, I, I think we all ought to. Uh, it goes a long way. Yeah. Yeah. I've had a couple of procedures done over the, over the last several years. They've been excellent. Uh, they were all done in Baltimore. But, uh, but, you know, Perry Point is my, is my uh, That's uh, where general I practitioner. But, you know, anything that needs doing, they send it to Baltimore. But that's a pretty good experience. One one issue with the cardiologist, I, I had a triple bypass in 2010. Uh, but it was done outside at St. Joe's. Hmm. Uh, what day? 
July 4th weekend. It July 4th. Well, I was recuperating that same weekend. Were you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was actually, uh, yeah, ruined the weekend, obviously. But, um, you know, I mean, that's that's uh, nine years on now, and, and I, I wanted them to, uh, you know, just give a check, a checkup, uh, check my arteries, see how they're doing and all that. And they, it's basically the answer is uh, if you have any problems, we'll check it out. Otherwise, we're not going to. You know, you've been... Theoretically, you know, your A few weeks rest. ago, I had a tremendous uh, breathing problem. I was just heaving to get my breath. It lasted for about 20 minutes, and Ooh. I was going to the VA because I volunteered around that Monday, September 23rd. I thought, well, I'll just check in at the uh, urgent care center and probably give me two aspirin and say, and see me in the morning kind of thing and laughing on the way out and so right. on. But uh, we got there, and the, the laughing was the ambulance is right there, and that's where you're going to the hospital. I had AFib uh, at that particular point, and yeah. they, uh, a couple of days later, took an echocardiogram to confirm it, and I'm on different medication now. I, th I think they're just great. Mm. Yeah, yeah, they are. I'd, I'd, I'd give them a 98%, uh, a couple of tweaks in here, but always room for improvement. But I think I think Maryland enjoys uh, the fact that they're that they're tied in with the University of Maryland medical system down there. The VA yes. is. The yes, the buildings are just across the street from one another. I didn't realize yeah. they were tied together. On uh, Green Street, yeah. yes, they oh, are. Wow, There's okay. a connection. And, uh, I mean, uh, most of the, uh, except for my foot, the, uh, most of the, the doctors I've dealt with are uh, residents or, you know, uh, uh, physicians from the University of Maryland system. Huh. And, I mean, yeah, they're, they're right there. The buildings are cemented I never, I never realized yeah. that. Yeah. I still, I, I still need to apply and um, Oh, don't sign put it off. Huh? Don't put it off. Do I know. It. My sister-in-law keeps telling me, too, because she, she works at Perry Point, and she's been there, I think, forever. Um, what does she do? You're going to ask me a trick question like that, <laughs> she, uh, what she, she's runs CHEP, I think Chep it program. is. Yeah. yeah, I think she runs the CHEP program, which is, I, oh, jeez. I think it helps with the, the homeless veterans that come in there. Okay. I think that's what she's doing now. That's great. So, um, yeah, because all those bungalows up there now, they have been restoring, and, uh, you know, they have people living in there now. Oh, they're beautiful. The, yeah, yeah, so. They are. How did you guys get through everything that was happening at the time? Like while you were in the military? One day at a time. <laughs> yeah. I <laughs> uh, did, did what the... Um, your senior NC, because I, I don't know what everybody's ranking here was, but when the last, I guess, four or five months that I was in, um, I made E5 early, which is, um, the early, the lowest form of sergeant or senior airman, depending who, who you're with. Um, but, uh, yeah, you just kind of, you listen to what your, your senior, <laughs> Everybody wants to say, listen, listen to your officers. It's it's more listen to your senior NCOs, your yes. your E6, E7s, E8s, <laughs> definitely your E9s. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, uh, but just yes, listen to your officers, but uh, but trust your NCO, your senior NCOs a whole lot more. And it's one day at a time, and then. Nice. Before you, before you know it, for some, like I said, sooner for some of us than others. Um, when it's time, when you're 
when you are in some cases offered uh, your uh, <laughs> your discharge earlier than anticipated you say yes sir yes ma'am and mm-hmm. um, and go on with your the rest of your life I think one of the things that helped me that was that but friendship which yeah. is a brotherhood and it is. we always looked out for each other um, and always looked forward like when I was away not in the states just looking forward to being able to come home and visit that helped out a lot um, but at the same time when you're overseas you know like if there's somebody coming uh, whether it be celebrity or whatever you're looking forward to that I think with us when we were in uh, Okinawa one of the big things we had a baseball tournament and I think Coors Light had an all girls team at the time and, that, and we were playing against them and we were all looking forward we couldn't wait for that I imagine <laughs> so yeah but I mean no it just it, 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 well you, you know you raised an interesting point because in the Marine Corps especially in, in some extent in the Army when you deploy anywhere in the country or overseas your whole unit goes with you yeah, yeah. When you're in the Air Force, you go just yourself. Yeah. You don't have your buddies with you that you've gone through boot camp with and training and all the rest of it. So um, that's that's because our Army and and Marine, especially infantry units, are broken. And, and also Air Cav and yeah. and and uh, armored divisions and everything else. You you go as a platoon or a squad. And then when you, especially armored units, I mean armored units, you have. All of your mechanics, all, everything. Goes yeah, you guys, you guys are essentially fighting together. Yep. Where yeah. we, we mix it up, so to speak. But um, yeah, you rely on. Uh, you know, when I went to Germany, I was in my mid twenties. But it was a it was a, a, a radical change from being in in the states in Maryland to uh, uh, going to a, a culture I had no experience with and, and uh, you know, little to no knowledge of. Nobody, I didn't know anybody there. Nobody I went to, to tech school or had served with previously was in Germany. Um, so it was, it was just you know, a, a radical adjustment for me. But you rely on the friends uh, that you make, and you make them quickly, usually. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people in the same boat. And, uh, and you're all rowing together. You know, move on, but uh, and you Sometimes start drinking a lot of German beer, and all's good. <laughs> Go to the discos, and you know the German the female civilians are... I envy you guys. I was going to say, because with Bob, it was completely different, because Bob was in during wartime. It was a singular moment, a person assigned here, assigned there. It was not a unit as it is today, Mm -hmm. where you have 20 or 30 or 100 personnel all moving at the same time. It was singular. And I... I had written this booklet, actually, I'll talk about it a little later, but I want to show it. What it is, it's a, a revisit I had of Korea a year ago, special invitation of the government. And those pictures are, the one in the upper left is me when I was there two days in the Army with the chubby cheeks, and then progressing downward, uh, going off to uh, uh, my unit. And I was the middle one I was point? as a replacement depot in Korea, and there's nothing more boring because there was nothing <laughs> to be done. Rear with uh, the gear. So I stayed there about three days and finally got my assignment. And the one on the uh, right-hand side is there about a month and having a uh, 
full field inspection, which I'm sure everybody knows. Sure. Yes, sir. This is wartime, as which you don't know. And when the captain and his entourage were walking through and taking off this and take off that, that's what captains do. Uh, we had incoming <laughs> artillery at that particular point, 10 minutes after that picture was taken. Wow. It, it stopped the inspection. We never had another one, I guess. The captain got chewed out by a colonel up at headquarters. <laughs> Why do you have so many of your personnel standing in formation with artillery? artillery well, the down? oddity of it was in Korea, the uh, matter of farming uh, for rice on rice paddies on a hill and so on. Uh, well, it's, uh, it's an exciting time of how they, they do it. I'm mispronouncing the word, of course. And in a rain, all that stuff will simply tumble down as gravity is. And they have a huge ditch to carry things away. Right. right. And the captain and his entourage dove into a ditch. Oh, my. Uh, I didn't have that <laughs> privilege wow. myself. But anyway, he did not. I guess he's not wearing his, that uniform again. His entourage did not come out smelling like a rose. No. <laughs> and you said you went back there a year ago? Yes, a year ago. That's that, that booklet I wrote about my, my trip there. Each day is a chapter of where we went and how we did it. And uh, I was a switchboard operator. Think of MASH. Think of radar. I told Rose, that I said, have you ever watched MASH? No. As far I as know, it, did you watch? Know. Okay, just check it. MASH is interesting because it's set in, in Korea, but right. of course everything's themed around Yeah, well, Vietnam. it should. That's what it was. And uh, So I operated that. If somebody called in for whatever the reason, they went through me, talked to the general, talked to the colonel, talked to a private, whoever, pull the plug, put it in here, make sure they're connected, and then let them go. Yeah. And that's what I did. And a fellow who went with me, he's in Lancaster, area, the three of them from that area, he was with the 25th Division, the 27th Regiment, Wolfhounds. And as a matter of fact, in the book, it describes one day on October 2nd where we visited an actual battlefield. And he was saying he was there on that very battlefield. And he was saying up there and up there, this, that, and the other thing happened himself. And wow. it's true. Between January of 53 to June of 53, when he got wounded, he went home. Now... When he called in for firepower, 105s, he called us because our Big battery guns. supported his regiment. Mm -hmm. So if he called in saying, I want such and such, and I responded, our voices interlocked. And now we were sitting around a table talking about it, and we're absolutely convinced 100% that at some point it had to happen that he and I talked together, however briefly, for what he wanted, what I supplied to him. And it's in the book. That's a, when I was talking to Bob on the phone, I even said, I said, man, I said, a switchboard operator, you could have been talking to any famous general or whatever, you not even yeah. know it. Exactly. Yes, and... Uh, and the, you actually, didn't you just donate that book to the library? The Bel Air Library. It has okay. a number given to it, so it's on a uh, shelving with other books that are produced by people who live in Harford County and who wrote something on their own, so... It sits there on the second floor. Very good, yeah. As a matter of fact, I, she wanted a second book. I gave it to Mary Haskler, the CEO of the library. Right. And she, so I brought another book back the following day, went up to the counter on the second level, and gave it to a, to a young woman. 
and I wanted to show it to her. And she said, well, you know, my uncle was in the Korean War. I said, oh, uh, what's his name? He said, his name is Joel Anasa. I said, oh, I worked with an insurance company with a Joel Anasa. He died in the middle 80s. He said, that's my uncle. Wow. He was you, that. You worked with him in debt, didn't even know? I, I knew he was a medic. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, I, I knew that, but uh, I'd never want to be a medic. God knows they're, they're the most worthy Medics are special person people. on the field of battle. Yeah. A medic, a corpsman, uh, to attend to us. All they attend to the wounded, and they are prime game. Yeah. They, don't come, they, don't, they don't get the, the privilege of shooting back. No, if you want a good, someone give someone a good uh, picture of a, of a field medic is, is to watch Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. I can't remember the actor's name that, that plays the medic there, but uh, that's a good description. That's about as real as you can get. Yep. Yeah, yeah my Uncle Fred was, really that, was, that's the only movie that he ever watched that gave him WW2 flashbacks. But I have had, never seen the out. intro well, yeah. to the movie. They said it goes on about 20 minutes at, it's, on the beach. It's as real as it gets. Yeah. Uh, see, I've never seen it yet. Yeah. Still it's the only, mo- it. only movie. My, my Uncle Fred d- passed away about two or three years later. But he said that. that was, and he didn't talk about the war. Right. Almost. No, they never do. Um, and uh, he, he said that was the only one that gave him flashbacks. I didn't talk to my family for 50 years. Yeah. You know, my father was the same way, and I know a lot of the older veterans are the same. Now, he... He never talked about, he didn't see combat in World War II, but he never talked about Korea, never talked about Vietnam. Yeah. And that's that's a, my one, and I'm going to put this on record, like a lot of veterans like me go for years. Uh, family members don't know, don't need to know. Because mm-hmm. um, a lot of people, not you, because we're all here willingly, um, but uh, a lot of people just don't want to, answer questions so you, you're not going to see you'll never see me with the unit patch you'll never see me with any any army paraphernalia anything questions are asked that a lot of us don't want to answer yeah mm-hmm. and that's why you'll see thousands of men and women um who just they'll they'll go for years you could go for decades without ever knowing they were in the service because honestly it's nobody's business yeah, there. Yeah, there's some truth to that. I mean, I, I do regret though not talking to my father more. If I asked a, a, a specific question, he would answer it. You don't know how to talk to him. Um, well, he doesn't know how to talk to you either. Well, there's a lot of truth in that. And too. he only wishes to maintain the silence within his mind, and it drives him crazy. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, he's gone, so I don't have that opportunity yeah. anymore. I read of a number of articles, one in particular where. The family was surprised to discover a black box, so to speak, in a in a drawer somewhere, and they opened it up with all its medals. Yeah. Well, yeah. same. Yeah, that's, that's what's going to happen with mine. Yeah. 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 I didn't. My that's father, the only way. My father was awarded a bronze star in Korea. I didn't know. My mother didn't know it until after he passed, and we and we found it in his in his uh, belongings. Um, it's common. Yeah. Yeah. Very. Yeah. Very common. But I I read the the citation. I mean, it was extremely. So, you know, something to be extremely proud of, and I am, you know, I know my brother is, and my siblings, but um, it's just, it, it was just a, an experience to him, and he didn't want to talk about it, but for whatever reason. So yeah, he had an experience the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and the next day. Right, right. And so my grandfather really never talked 
to me about his time in you know in the army. My father, he talked a little bit about Korea and his time in, uh, but it was my uncle, uh, the one who was in the Marine Corps, the one that was a gunner on the Huey, that he didn't mind talking about it. Yeah. Um, and Vietnam really Vietnam did. was a whole it different ball game. Actually, he was. You're, you're going to love this. He was killed in action. Oh, he was. He was. He was reported as reported killed in action, killed but in he action. wasn't. Yeah. yeah. And when the report came home, and when they, when of course when he showed up, it's like, <laughs> right. But yeah, he was. He was reported as as killed in action. That's okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. But it, it makes you makes you wonder how many people from back then you know were actually reported as killed in action or missing in well, action. Well, World War II the same thing. Well, yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. show up 10 15 years later and it's like, "Yep, yeah, well, I, I, I wasn't killed." Sure, some of them still may be there living there. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. You know. And you some know. some of them may have heard that they were reported as KIA and started a whole new life. Yeah. They didn't want they didn't Yeah, that's true. Too. They they didn't they actually just wanted to leave the life that they had behind and start a brand new life and that happens Spent, happen, well yeah. well yep. not so much today but definitely in uh in world war Two <clears throat> and, and vietnam yeah especially world war Two in europe where they could blend in yep mm-hmm. yeah, war is war no matter the name yep yeah. absolutely it's a smaller segment or it's a larger segment it doesn't but matter in your segment where you are it is personal and it is war yep. and there's no difference between one and the other Incoming artillery, that's what we had because the lines were pretty static at that point. Uh, we had it more than I'd like, but we had it. And while we had it, uh, you, you, you do what you can to take cover and, and survive it, and you're not scared because it happens and it's just going on, and then it stops. Mm-hmm. And then you're still not scared, although you don't think much about it. Right. And. Uh, and before it happens, you think nothing about it because you have no idea when something's going to happen. And it happens. So during the time I was there, I, I had no fright, very little, except afterwards. My family had more fright because they knew not what would happen as mm-hmm. notifications sure. go home yeah, and right. so on. So they had to think of me t- 24 hours every day, not knowing what is happening. I, Write a letter once in a while, but that's about all. Sure, you had a lot, uh, a lot to process when you when you left. No, the experience. You know. Just left it at that point and moved on. Mm-hmm. Uh, didn't think about it until years and years later. I said it took me fifty years to talk to my family. Yeah. And even then, it's just the periphery of it, not the actuality of it. Right. Yeah. The actuality uh, doesn't mean diddly squat. Bob, let me ask you something because, and I'm I'm seeing this, you know, with the war that we're in now, I'm seeing it more than, you know, said so when we were in, after, especially after Beirut, and um, I didn't see it a lot at all, really, with Vietnam, but with Korea, I don't know how it was, support when you got out from the community. Was it there? I know you're seeing it more now with a lot of the veterans coming home. You you do see a lot of that's a major support. major major difference between the difference was zero. Yeah, anything mm-hmm. beyond that is an improvement on anything. Yeah. When I got out, I I got out. In fact, me here's a five hundred dollars of what you saved on your your money and good luck, goodbye, and that that was all. Yeah. 
the uh, signed up for uh, the, the reserve, the inactive reserve, and, mm-hmm. and we'll stay in touch that way. And that was all there is. There isn't done anything. All these have been added on over the years. So it has become much, much better. Need support. Yeah, you need support. There wasn't any when I was. There wasn't any for the World War II guys either. I, yeah. did, I honestly yeah. didn't get any. No, I, I, and, and like I said, I, honestly, I, I, when I got out, I I went to college, and uh, and thankfully I got my first choice of my college, which I was very happy about. But uh, another reason, and kind of the same, I was, I'm, yes, I'm from this area, but I wanted to, I wanted to get pretty far away, and I was 600 miles away. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy I had my last podcast, who's a Marine Corps veteran, and he. I think he went in shortly after 9-11. But that's one of the things we were talking about was the support. And Way different now. I'm well, so happy for From it. the community. Yeah. But not from the military. And that's one of the things he's he would, he said he would love to see change in the military is when guys that are that are coming out, not career guys, but Just, anybody, especially yeah. if they served, you know, over during the war or in the war, the transition yep. coming out. It's almost like coming, like coming out of prison. If you're, if you spend your time in prison, trans, transitioning to social, you know, society and is you have, hard. Like, a, not necessarily a halfway house for veterans, but some kind of counseling. Yeah, exactly. Some kind of counseling. The somewhere greatest you, amount of counseling. Somewhere you can go to, where people have had just milita- the military communities similar situations because. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, uh, getting shot at in combat and everything like that, it's very, it, it's impossible to describe to c- civilians, or at least United States civilians. Other, yeah. other countries, unfortunately, civilians, that's part of their existence in other parts of the world. Or even worse, getting shot at and you can't shoot back. Exactly. Which well, getting shot at and you can shoot back and you don't need an attorney to say pull the trigger. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, but yeah. the greatest yes. segment of counseling. <laughs> have, have an attorney tell the captain to tell your lieutenant <laughs> green light. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Things like that. <laughs> but in my age, there was nothing. They had the GI Bill and of course that was great. Yeah. But no, no counseling of any other sort in, in any other way. Uh, about four or five years ago, I was seeing my doctor for a, a checkup. That was all it was. And the nurse was going down the checklist about this, this, the other. Did anything bother you while you were in the service? And I said, well, yeah. I, mean, I didn't come out of jewelry every now and then. and mm-hmm. That affected me. Uh, how did it affect you? And well, July 4th came around. I, I didn't go there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I wouldn't. The first time I recognized it was in 1955 when I visited my brother. He's in Colorado. I happened to work in Denver, so I went to the July 4th weekend and never expected anything like that. The uh, the fireworks started, and the first one came down. I ran. I never knew it was uh, something that affected me. I ne- just never went to a July 4th and never went anywhere once in a while. And if I did, I had to remind myself it was July 4th and July 4th. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was telling this to the nurse, and she said, you have a PTSD. I said, what do you mean? That's the definition of... PTSD, yeah. and yeah. I didn't recognize it until yeah. then. Uh, in that book, I went to uh, a luncheon with the president of of Korea, along with two other people, 
And in the evening, uh, in an arena, they had a, a show go on, uh, everything. It was in recognition of their uh, being a nation, the Armed Forces Day. And at the end, they had fireworks. And I was part of a group escorting the president into the arena, so I sat here and he sat there. And the fireworks were not one or two. It was five or six or a dozen all going off at the same time. Oof. And I thought, well, where am I going to go? And I, had, and I had to stick it out because, oh, the president's there, and if I jumped out, some guy's going to grab me and doing something I shouldn't do. And so I stuck with it. And after about 15, 20 minutes, it was over. And I had the strangest feeling. I felt cleansed. Huh. Because of that experience, and I think if I experience it again, I probably will uh, I'll look at it much more calmly. That's interesting. That's, yeah. Yeah. And I wrote about that in, in, in my book. It's, uh, it's a nice story of each day as to what had happened. And, right. and I also had my own personal tour guide, and nobody took any notice, at least I didn't think so, of an 86-year-old guy holding hands with a 24-year-old woman. <laughs> but it's in there and, and she saved me because I had nobody there my children couldn't go with me and everybody mm. had a wife or son or daughter and grandchild and so I had nobody Wow! and uh, she sat down and introduced herself and we talked about things and apparently there were things I had to offer and she had to offer in, in, a, in a way and I look at Korea and every time I meet a Korean they are so grateful not for what we did, but for the saving of their nation. Right. And they have mm. the 11th largest economy in the world and have a number of years and just great, great people. And they're so effusive on thank you, thank you, thank you. Mm -hmm. But I have to point out to them that the thank yous are a two-way street and you are only looking at it on a one-way, one direction. Why is that? Well, look at it this way. When the war started, there was a great mansion and the war consumed that mansion, it was destroyed completely, gone, nothing. This was the nation's mansion. Mm -hmm. Now after the war, we have discovered a foundation, a magnificent foundation, but no structure. I said, that's what we did, everyone who came to your aid, the other countries, our country, the soldiers, the Air Force, and so on, we built and our sacrifices provided that foundation. I says, but now I look at you and your country and what you've done. And I said, now a new, even better mansion has been constructed, and you have constructed that mansion. I can sleep well at night, as Lincoln would say. Well, I'll let Rose finish her questions and, and talk about your book here. Well, last question I have. What were your guys' plan after you got out? <laughs> okay, Rich. I was going to be a rock star. <laughs> there you go. Nah, um, actually, you I look well, like Willie Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, my um, uh, my plan originally was uh, originally I was I wanted to re-enlist. That was my plan, uh, but they the only thing I wanted was to go to a different unit, and they said no. So I um, enrolled for State Police Academy, took the test for that, and 
Um, was actually supposed to start the academy, but I sat back and gave it some serious thought. Talked to my father. My father was not happy that I wasn't going to go through with it, but I told him, I said, the main reason I wanted to become a police officer was I am big against guys hitting women and people hitting children. And I knew coming out of the infantry, out of the Marine Corps, what I did, if I had that badge and the pistol on my side, and if I would have caught somebody, I'd probably be the one in jail. I'd be the one in trouble. So I said no. And as of most people that, that actually do come out of the military really don't have a plan, I didn't know what I was going to do after that. So became a went to mixology school, became a professional bartender. Stake up to serving drinks. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, um, worked in the bar scene for a while, and then my father and brother-in-law bought a nightclub, and I was attending bar there, but we couldn't find a DJ. So, next thing you know, I'm DJing and attending bar, and my father's like, no, I can only do one or the other. Again, my father got upset when I decided... I'll be a DJ. <laughs> they gave up the bartending part. So, um, but I, I really, I mean, that was the only parent I had was to be a state police officer. That's what I wanted to do. And then when I actually sat down and thought about it after I enrolled, took the test and everything, it's like, uh, I can't do this. I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to do. You were a state trooper? <laughs> no, no, I was, I, I was going to be. But I I didn't go through with it. I didn't I didn't uh, go through it with the academy. Which I, I wish I did in a way. But then again, I wish I would have stayed in the Marine Corps. I wish I would have stayed and did my 20 years and retired. You know, uh, that's probably my biggest regret is that I didn't stay in and make a career out of it. But then again, who knows? I mean, either I'd be here today. I want to be here today. You know. Everything happens for a reason. That's what you come to a Y in the road, and you take a choice. Yeah, you never know what the other flank would have shown you. Mm -hmm. You only know what you have chosen, and you're proud of that choice. Oh yeah, I'm very, very I'm very proud. I mean, that's like I said, it's the only thing I, and I don't want to say I really regret it. Sometimes I wish I would have stayed in, but I'm glad the way, you know. um, I'm happy. I'm I'm happy with my life. I'm happy with everything. Now, you know, uh, hell, I wouldn't have been able to meet all of you. <laughs> well, if I didn't get that telegram from President Truman, it wouldn't be here either. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, I mean, it's um, I I, I don't know. It's 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 hard to say. I, we talked about this on my last podcast. A lot of guys that don't make a career out of it really don't know what they're going to do when they get out. It's like high school, okay? A lot of kids have an idea of what they want to do when they're in high school. And they'll go they go to college. They do two years and realize, mm, this is not for me. This is not what I want to do. I think it takes uh, some time to figure out what you really want to do. Mm-hmm. Not for all people, but, you know. Yeah, some people. I mean, I... I I, my plan was, um, and I'll preface this by, I do regret not staying in. Uh, I wish I had done 20 or 30 years. Um, 
and I, and I've said that many, many times. Yeah. I, I regret it every day. Yeah. But it is what it is. You can't change history. But um, although some people are trying, but that's not your story. But, uh, <laughs> no, when I came back here, my my plan was to actually go through the or, or go to the Maryland Air Guard, and then uh, work as an AGR, you know, a civilian, and, and uh, you know, do 20 years for the state and 20 years as a, as a guardsman. Didn't work. Um, one was the incident I mentioned. Another was I was. I applied for a, a, an AGR full-time position down there and um, was passed over um, uh, in favor of somebody that was uh, lesser qualified than I was. It was a, an affirmative <laughs> action hire. And, you know, I, it may be uh, politically incorrect to say, but um, I, I, that, that angered me, you know, to, to degrees I can't tell you. Um, because I was qualified, mm -hmm. and you know I was. Uh, Were no you more. too old? Huh? Were you too old? No, 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 no. Um, at that time, I mean, I was only 29 years old. I mean, I was still young, but um, it, it, Maryland, and the rest of the country was going through that 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 buildup. Um, now it started years earlier, obviously, but that buildup of affirmative action, and, and um, you know, and I'm not disparaging anybody in any way, shape, or form, but when you're in, on the receiving end of being cut out of something you're fully qualified for, you know, and as a young person, um, it's tough to handle. And, and so I had no plan after that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I bounced around for a while, and, and uh, uh, I think I worked about two or three different jobs, University of Baltimore and uh, Poly Seal downtown, and uh, eventually hooked up, you know, a few years later with... Uh, in the technology field, but um, so yeah, I, I I sort of had a plan, but then I didn't have a long-term plan other yeah. than the guard. Yeah. Uh, and when that didn't come through, it was like, what am I going to do? I didn't have a plan B. So I guess I'm a little different. When when I received my honorable discharge, my DD-214, um, I actually even before I was discharged, I was I was having to. I have to phrase this very carefully. He decided he was still going to jump out of planes. Uh, well, that that was part of it, and uh, with a parachute. With a parachute, um, but uh, but I definitely decided that um, I had when I was done with the military, that was definitely going to stay in my past, and uh, and I I applied to a, three universities, and I was extremely fortunate to uh, get my first choice. Um, the rest is history. And I did graduate. I like to say I did graduate from my university. One thing I would like to mention, since since I, I think I well, Lyle, and I believe Bob did. I also got my honorable discharge. <laughs> Just wanted to throw that in there. So yeah, we all we all preface that. That's a big thing. Just, just big in case you don't know, always want that honorable. If you served, you want that honorable yep. discharge. Myself, I got out, went to college for a year, and then dropped out. Then moved to Detroit, uh, no, Detroit, Denver. Uh, my brother was out there, and then I liked the company I was with. I had a advantage I, I came to understand over the years because the fellow who was interviewing me for well, the job that was open was a colonel who had served in Guadalcanal. Wow. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I was just a corporal who served in Korea, but I guess it outflanked others, and so I got hired and stayed with the company for 40 years, and 
had a well good time I, I rose in the ranks and things like that thing I did uh, met my uh, future wife and when I got transferred to Montreal she relocated from England she had an English major being born in England so uh, we happened to meet one day on July 18th of 1964 and on November 7th we were engaged January 16th at 20 below zero we were married on 1965. 20 and, uh, below zero? Well, that's not all. It was a 20-mile-an-hour wind gusting to 45 and 50. I hope it wasn't an outside wedding. No, but okay. uh, <laughs> going from the church to the car was outside. <laughs> um, 52 years together to the day. Engaged on November 7th. She died on November 7th of oh, 20, wow. 2016. You married in '65. Fifty years, fifty-two years. Fifty-two. Yeah. Really, something. Yep, certainly is. Yeah. But you never know where your choices in life are. Yeah. And you think you have no plan, but then you find out that well, there's no plan there, but you devise another plan, and you move on to to you that. You adapt. And and you 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 would change and adapt to the newer circumstances. So. I think some people say it's all God's plan and you know, somebody's plan, and it's worked out well when you look back. Yeah, it works pretty well. Sure. I was going to say that. I mean, people may not have a plan, but God's got a plan for you. Yeah, somewhere. So, yeah. Let me ask you a question, Rose. Yes. Okay, if you spent, you know, be in, in school still, what do you guys hear about the military? It doesn't really go into detail. Like, it's all just, like, the basic stuff that everybody's already really knows they you learn about the certain wars and you don't really learn about the right stuff <laughs> but you have the recruiters come and talk to you right um sometimes and what what are the recruiters telling you uh i haven't had a class where the recruiter came in in a while okay but they do still have them in the school they have a table for them in the school and they're there all the time so, like, <clears throat> people are still coming in. People are still, you know, trying to reach out and keep everything going and teach other kids about what it means to be in it, how mm -hmm. you get in, and just different stuff like that. But it just also feels like the school themselves aren't teaching things enough. I was, I was going to say, do you guys, does the school ever have veterans coming in? That's one of the things, I know in elementary school, they would, for Veterans Day, they would have veterans come in. Do they do that in high school? No. Which would probably be most important time. <laughs> no. I don't think, yeah. I don't think there's been a time where a veteran came into the high school. Really? Would they ask a veteran to come in? Um, I feel like I don't know, they might, but I, I don't know. I feel like somebody else within the school um, would have to want to set up the event that the school wouldn't set it up themselves. School doesn't have any recognition of it? Not that I know of. Wow. Yeah. Have, I haven't had a veteran come in. and I've been to two different high schools, and there was no, none events like that, no events. Would they be receptive if... if students were to set up something like that? I don't think so. No? I, I mean, <clears throat> yeah, I, don't, I think they would allow it. Yeah, it's hard to say. It's because 
sometimes I think with the schools nowadays, it, it would not be politically correct. Yeah. Well, I mean, in some districts, there's, there's no doubt about it. Yeah. But I, uh, you know, what I'm getting to is, is not just, it's not just, you know, hearing from a, a military veteran whether, you know, he or she was in, in wartime or not, but um, it's exposing, you know, the, the, the students, the younger people to, uh, and the same with, with, with people in industry or any, any other occupation, but exposing them to, um, uh, you know, experiences in lives that they know nothing about. Yeah. And, you know, you, you probably hear, I don't know about your own family, but you hear of veterans and wartime and you know they're they're far and few between anymore especially korea mm -hmm. and world war ii but uh, rose are you connected with a high, with a school can am i what are you connected with a school yeah i'm a senior. she's a senior this year senior? senior yeah if you spoke to somebody would they be receptive if i were to i don't know because if i were to speak to somebody i think they would listen and maybe try and figure out something because I've ha I have done other events within the school because I'm part of Leo's as well. So I think they would they would sit down and actually listen if I wanted to start something there. It may be a good thing to do maybe starting next year for Veterans Day. And it doesn't necessarily have to be at school. We could always do something at the church. to Something special for Veterans Day to where the Leo's could put together. And we could have veterans come in to talk to people that have any questions. Well, yeah. Recruiters going to tell school. you one thing. But I do it in the schools, though. Well, if like, the schools will allow you. I'm saying, yeah. but if the schools don't allow you, then do it in the church. It's also no. with or the library. And you shame them in the newspapers. <laughs> if they have vets come in, I mean, some students, as you said earlier, they don't have respect for anybody. Right. They don't even have respect for themselves. What, they, they're, they're not going to listen. I mean, they won't, but if you do it enough times, if you, if you start something and whether, it you know, it's this year attention. and then your yeah. underclassmen start and your eventually it begins to, I mean, that's how we learned when we were kids in school. And, and of course it started in the families, but we, we did have, um, uh, not just veterans, but you know, others, adults in different occupations come in for, for varying, uh, events and, and different reasons. Um, to do that so we you know that 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 just kind of grew as a part of us um, you don't as you said you don't have much of that um, probably not from anybody not anymore you know? I mean yeah. throughout elementary school and a little bit of middle school it was a lot it was common yeah but then it just started to die down and didn't and really it, happen anymore right and, and when you're a young person um, those types of, of uh, uh, values and things will, will leave you just as fast as you gain them. You know, you don't you you, you begin to develop. Um, you know, uh, take the take the respect thing. You mm -hmm. begin to develop respect not just for yourself but for adults around you, and then suddenly it's cut off. You don't have mm -hmm. a, a, a lifetime of, of, of knowledge and experience and whatnot to, to keep it going. I only have a, a couple years, and I miss it. I wish they would yeah. still do things like that because it, it did help. Like, sure. Because yeah. if you start at such a young age throughout elementary school, like that's how they learn and that's how they build their character. Right. right. And then if they don't have that and they get to high school, they're you end up with a lot of problems you have today. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Um, no, I, I think it'd be beneficial. Maybe even not just Veterans Day, but. 
um, uh, you know, a couple Anybody. of times a year, set up something where veterans can come in and speak, and just as we talked about with you know the business people doing the same thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so they a lot of their perceptions of the older people um, or the corporate fat cats or however whatever you want to look at <laughs> can be changed and, and they can be given reality you know in, in the stories that Bob has you know um, in uh, and out of the military. Rose I have talked to a number of schools myself yeah. in fact one on November 11th in the year 2011 because on November 11th the armistice was on the 11th hour of the 11th day of the 11th month but in the year 2011 it was on the year of 11. So I had four 11s. I spoke to them. I, I, I enjoy that and just want to give you my business card. If anybody is interested, I, I would be interested. Now, especially with Joptown High School, I had there, I went to a meeting there and they're getting ready for renovation. And apparently they're going to be, I'm going to get the name wrong, PSAC school. There's two in the state and Joptown is going to be one. Um, something like that. I remember them saying something yeah. like that. What kind of a school? I want to say PSAC or something. It's almost like a magnet school, but they're going to be, huh. it's, um, they're going to be affiliated with APG, mm -hmm. you know, which is a good thing. And my understanding is, too, they've been, this is one of the things that really baffles me. Harford County Public Schools have never had a JROTC program with Aberdeen Improvement Ground being there, you figured they would have yeah, like years I've ago. Yeah, i about it and everything, yeah. but I've never actually seen a program for it. No, there's Because there isn't one. Now, you know, uh, who is it, Jansen Robinson, that's been working on it, I believe? Mm -hmm. And yep. now it's in the works, and it looks like Jobatown will be the first school to have one. It may not be within a year or two, probably two, two or three years, um, because there's no funding with the Army right now. Well, what I've seen and read about this uh, ROTC programs in high school, I forget about college, is that they're fewer and farther between. Yeah. I don't know why, but it seems like there is a reluctance, a distance of not accepting that as part of their curriculum. Prince George's County Schools has a lot of them. I'm just talking about Harford County. I don't know oh, yeah. yeah, Harford County has none. There are none. And it's sad. They, they it should. Is. You know, um, when I when I used to go to Prince George's County Schools and work on the computers down there, I thought one of the neatest things I ever seen was going in there and seeing the kids in their military uniforms. And they had all branches. They, you know, some of the schools, it was a Navy ROTC. There was one that had a Marine Corps ROTC, Army ROTC. Uh, it, it, was, it was neat. It was, I loved it. So... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know the reasons behind Harford County, but a lot of districts across the country um, over the last several decades, it's it's a cultural thing. You know, and they're, they're anti-military, anti- I think that's it. Say, you know, anti-U.S., but that's my personal belief. Um, uh, and it, it's kind of surprising that, you know, here in Maryland you have Prince George's County, which is about as blue as you can be, and then you have Harford County with nothing. Um, mm -hmm. and, and not just APG being right there, but just just the the uh, uh, retirement communities here, um, and, and it's it's a mix. It's not just the army. Yeah. Uh, but you have nothing, and, and so I don't know the reason for this county, but rather strange that we don't. But uh, yeah, hopefully hopefully they do get them soon. Well, you never know. It'd be nice. Yeah.
I had a question about your book. Um, the, the first first one, uh, obvious one, is where can we get a copy <laughs> other than going up to Bel Air Library? cost me $20 for each book. Each book? I had 50 of them printed. Can we uh, email you and, and buy a copy from you? And well, I can loan a one to you if you want to read it. And, uh, maybe to the Lions Club? And, and I would present it to them in person. If if that would be, let me give you my card. Well, you, you were talked a little bit about the uh, the young lady from Korea that that you met over there. And I guess she was your guide when you went back. My personal guide. Personal guide, as it turned out. Did did you did you meet with or or speak with any of the uh, South Korean veterans when you were there? No, there seems to be a distance between the two. Good. I've gone to events where they honor the actual Korean Korean veteran. As long as us, the United States Korean veteran, and at one time over a year ago, I got so disgusted I walked out on that because the Korean Koreans were here and the uh, United States veterans were there, and they should have been together. Mm -hmm. Right. And I, it just struck me the wrong way, and I just didn't like it at all. And when they asked me about taking a picture with the group, I said, "The hell with it! I'm out of here." Wow, interesting. Yeah. It should be. It should be inclusive. Sure. Yeah. You were there for a week for the reunion? On the, from the time I left my home, locked the door, until the time I got back home and opened the door. So did you get to travel back to where you were actually based when you were there? Well, as it turned out, it was because the, they said at the Panunjun area, this one old uh, fellow, we are all old, who was saying as a young soldier, he, he was out there in that actual battlefield, and our unit supported his regiment. Mm -hmm. So if you turned at 180 degrees and looked back about a half mile, I would be there. Wow. That's neat. That's all his experience. I looked, I looked several times uh, knowing where my father was in, uh, when he was in Japan, based in Japan, and then he, you know, he, he went from there into Korea. And uh, looking at the areas today versus you know, the early 50s when he was there, and yeah. some of them, a couple of them, are actually um, haven't changed much at all. Others are radically different. You know, small town is now a big, relatively big city. Um, well, there's a picture in there of a view from the 120th floor. 120th floor. Yeah. Looking on, on, on the field, what used to be a field, probably? Well, it was at downtown Seoul, so it was just con completed about two years ago. And you could look out that away, horizontally, and for infinite miles or so, we see. But they also had a, a, a glass floor. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> where you could walk out onto to still look out actually at the window that away or the glass floor that away 120 floors up yes yes please yes. tell me you are wearing that parachute <laughs> no i didn't need it because I, I if this was the glass floor and i was here that's as far as i got yeah i was going no way <laughs> i wasn't gonna get out i i took a peek down there and enough to that i've uh -uh. only met one person who said she would get out there and walk on the glass floor <laughs> everybody else don't want any part of that <laughs> Yeah, let me. If I did it, I, I hear the sim. I probably just hear one little thing. I would think it was cracking. Be like, nope, I'm done. Yes, well, it it, it, it puts you right off and 
Yeah. They have something like that at the Grand Canyon in one of the places. Yeah, I saw that. I've, I've heard that. and, yeah, and that's, that's just my uh-uh. recollection of each day that I was there. And, and I said in the forward, and I spelled the name, the word forward wrong, but no one's picked it up. <laughs> I used um, the military interpretation of forward as opposed to the a, 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 a writer's author's yeah. word for forward. Oh, I got you. Okay. <laughs> And in in there, the last words I said in the last sentence, having visited their national cemetery in Seoul, such like we have at Arlington, I said there all my comrades walked among their graves. Have you ever thought about getting that published? Well, people have mentioned that, but I'm so naive about things, I don't know. Well, at the very very least, get it registered with the Library of Congress. Yeah. Um, Think so? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it... That that way, it, it's it's cataloged and, and given its own. Uh, it's cataloged at the Bel Air Library. Library. But aside yeah. from that, that's I. When I wrote this, it was merely typing out a page a day of whatever uh, I, I did at that particular time, and that was it. You know, I just print them off and pass them out, and that's that. But then I had sort all sorts of things that I brought back with me. Uh, about where we went and how we and the menus and this that and the other thing and so I decided to enlarge it a little bit and they gave me a a, a flash drive that they did for everybody the government photographers mm-hmm. and uh, I I stopped after six hours <laughs> and still I hadn't completed all of it <laughs> but I've had enough enough and I I took a lot of pictures out of it and finally put the thing together and uh, it came out this way that. Twenty dollars a copy. No, this would be. I mean, it, it, just the cultural uh, history that you put together here, and it is a, a history, really. Um, you know, having it having it cataloged in Library of Congress would make it available um, through you know interlibrary systems. I mean, I've, I've a lot of the uh, books on history and genealogy. Who would you I've, contact? Um, I don't know off the top of my head, but um, I wonder if Kelly know. would know. She probably, yeah, she probably would. Um, as a matter of fact, one of the genealogies of, of, on my father's side of the family is his mother's side. Um, uh, one of what would be my father's cousins wrote a history of, the, of the, the family that went back to Germany to the late 1400s. And he had it cataloged at the Library of Congress, and that's how I found it. Wow. And, uh, but this, this would be a, a significant uh, cultural Maybe I should go visit my congressman's office. Uh, yeah, they could uh, probably tell you. Andy Harris, uh, he's in an office in Bel Air. Yeah. He, he probably t- yeah, he could probably Andy tell Harris, you. Sure. Yeah, if he can't, let me know. Well, they, they can uh, tell you where to go. Yeah, because yeah. we have uh, a young lady that's been on the show a couple times already. She works for a publisher, I think, now, or... She's done a lot of editing and publishing of books, and uh, she's written her own mm-hmm. books. Because um, I, I know I would pay money for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love history books, anything like that. I mean, a lot of people do. You know, especially when you're getting it from somebody's, somebody that's been there. It makes a big difference when somebody's there that mm-hmm. writes, you know, that puts it together the book or writes the book or whatever, as opposed to, you know, somebody that's just gathering information. Yeah, um, just a dry chronicalization of yeah. something that happened. I mean, you're not, this is actual living experience. Uh, yeah, that's my personal one. Right, and that's, yeah, I, I would definitely, definitely have that done. 
Are you with the Lions Club? Yes. Yes. If they were desirous of receiving a book, I'd be very proud and honored to bring one and present it. Yeah, we definitely would. We'd, we'd be so, honored to have it. Because I, I would I would think that'd be great. Yeah. I think and I know a lot of the people in the club would enjoy it. I just I had think. two more questions about your boy. I mean, you'd probably come up with a dozen, but um, I, I stopped at the page of the, the Korean uh, War Memorial. Um, I heard about it. I don't know any, anything other than just hearing about it. it details um, everything from June 25th to yeah. July 27th, uh, three years later. Three years later. I mean, it just just by the diagram here and a few of the pictures you have in it, <coughs> it looks like a very substantial museum. It is. Uh, I, I take it that you toured the whole thing, obviously. These are all all your pictures that. Most well, of their pictures and that you put okay. from from bulletins they had and things. So I just put it all together and I just wanted to do it and just felt a, a need. Sure. To to do that and it didn't matter what anybody thought. I just wanted to do it and yeah. and it, well, apparently <laughs> I have found out really. Right. Uh, I'm very humble about things. Yeah. I'm not a writer. My name is not Hemingway. Yeah. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> Well, no, as, as I said before, I mean, stuff like this, especially to those who's, uh, you know, who had parents that, that uh, uh, were part of or, or fought in the Korean War, to have something like this, um, uh, you know, it, it is, is tremendous because, as I said, I, I did not have many uh, conversations with my father about his experience there. Um, now, I've, I've read a lot over the years, and I know a lot, but... Um, you know, to, to have that kind of a detail for for uh, for anybody, but for family, you know, descendants in particular, is is, is a fantastic thing. So I, you know, thank you for putting that together. Mm -hmm. And uh, You're you know, uh, we'll we'll definitely share it. Never visualize it would even come anywhere near any compliments like I have received today. I've received a lot of yeah. compliments from a lot of people, and I'm always saying, "What? Who are they talking about?" Because <laughs> I'm, I'm not a writer. I, I just simply focus on. What I see and what I hear, and, right. and yeah. then put it on paper. Well, got a got a, a, a very vast mix, uh, mix of, of personal experience and documentation and pictures, and I mean it said it tells a real story. Now, how how close do they allow you to the DMZ? Can you look over and see the North Koreans on patrol? It's right there. Yeah. At, huh? the, DMZ, at the DMZ, where we were, it was it was right there. So you can get as close as you see, like like. That's as close as you're going to get. Yeah. The three kilometers from the actual line separating the two countries on both sides. Right. Three kilometers, filled with landmines from the east coast to the west coast, from the west coast to the east coast. It's the most wow. landminded area in the world. Yeah. They are going to be taken up, I think, over the period of time. Yeah, that's what it, it, it amazes me. You hear the North Koreans defecting through there, and I've never heard of one being blown up. But I've heard many that actually went through the field and made it. And about a year and a half ago, two years ago, one fellow drove a car to to that line at Panmunjom to try. He got, got across of a language wound and so on, and but he came up across into the uh, South Korea section. Yeah, I I met some uh, Turkish soldiers who were attached to the 27th Regiment. Cause I was there in the year uh, 2000 at the 50th anniversary. And at Panmunjom, not this one, not the battlefield, but in a sort of like a town concept, uh, where they're having the celebratory things and 
over this way, about a half dozen guys in the Turkish units were coming by. And then we were coming up this way, and we met, and he recognized the patch on my shoulder, being the 25th Division. They couldn't speak English, I couldn't speak Turkish, <laughs> but we conveyed, conversed with each other through emotions. Mm -hmm. They recognized me, I recognized them. Yeah. Now these these were veterans, or, or they were veterans, veterans like I was. Yeah. Okay. They were there, and so we had a few minutes and speaking in my own language that they didn't understand, and vice versa. Right. And if I were ten minutes later, shook hands and, and went away. Eyes are another way of communicating yeah. now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Body language is something a lot of people always understand. Yeah. So, being in Korea. And this is one of the things I loved about when I was in the military, going to you know different places, the cuisine, the food there. It's what the food in Korea. Yeah. You know, different cuisine. How did you enjoy, and if so, what did you enjoy the most? Well, it was all printed in Korean placards. <laughs> okay, so, so you didn't know what uh, you were eating. Uh, the first time in the year two thousand, we went to, to a. Uh, uh, a Korean buffet, like it had 50 types of food, all sorts. Right. The names are all in Korean. Right. So I, I picked out, oh, that looks good, so I picked some of that and I picked some of this and wind up with a plate like that. And, but I had no idea what I was eating except that it was, <laughs> that it was beef or noodles. <laughs> but the actual name of it, the uh, bulgaji comes in, uh, no, I'm, uh, mine, uh, then this last time, we were specifically taken to restaurants in the Seoul area and up in the Panmunjom area. There only 24 veterans this second time. That's okay. Only 24. Worldwide, not just the U.S. Wow. The world. And we went to specific restaurants, and I didn't know again what they were having because it was all in Korean, except the final meal we had. I had my personal tour guy, his name is uh, Miru, M-I-R-U. It's actually two names. Like my name is Robert Stanley, just combined the two of them as, as, as a full name. Her name was Mi, M-I, which meant something, and R-U, which actually reflected on the style of roofing that you see in these Japanese, Chinese, and Korean pictures oh, right, right. of, of okay. a building that's yeah. reflective of that. So her name is Miru, her last name is Kim. Us jet like Jones over here. Right. So uh, the final time when she took me through the, the line about this, that, and the other thing, uh, it was just a remarkable experience. But now, yeah, the last time, did you know what you were eating, though? No. Still didn't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Didn't matter. I, I, I enjoyed it all. Yeah. I mean, that's. I don't think I've ever had anything bad to eat, you know, when I was in Okinawa, um, even Guam and Tinian, but it just. At least I knew what I was eating, though. <laughs> so. Well, there's one place I knew what I was eating. This was in uh, the first time, July of, uh, uh, of 2000, where they had at a army depot a true American barbecue. If you close your eyes and just visualize where you were, right. you're in your own backyard. Right. Um, also, they had all, all the Marines there in, in their, their red jackets just so that people would notice them just in case. Right. right. <laughs> you know how that is. Yep. 
<laughs> never fails. There's always somebody cracking on us jarheads. Yeah, well, uh, that, that's the way it goes. And, uh, yeah, be proud of it. For that, but. Uh, but we had just everything, and I was introduced to the lead general. And, of course, I know what a general is like. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I was introduced to a Navy guy. <laughs> I said it stupidly, and, and sir, what, what is it that you do here? <laughs> he, he said, he, like, he, he's the admiral in charge of anything and everything. <laughs> so I then next with a marine general, so I knew what a general was. Right. Uh, but this particular function had everything in, in America, hot dogs, hamburgers, pizza, you, you name it. It was just like you were in your backyard. And, and uh, remember when I, our bus pulled up there, we were greeted by a USO woman. Um, that's the United States organization. They, they entertain troops in many different ways, a lot of functions, really great people. So there's a woman who just welcomed us to, as I got off, she said, welcome back to South Korea. And I thought to myself, South Korea, I might as well be in Brazil. I haven't seen this one before. <laughs> <laughs> I've always been a shy, humble type, and I make no bones about that. I am pleased to express my thanks and more so as I get older, because people don't say thank you very much anymore. No, no that's no. one thing you young guys need to do. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Yeah, yeah. It works yeah. very well. It does. Uh, yeah, and you, you know who? I mean, as a veteran, we hear it. I think more now, but the ones that don't hear it enough, I think, are the police and the firefighters. Yeah. Um, and and every time I see them, I it's I a culture them. thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, it is. So, but. Uh, but uh, but thank you both both again, uh, Rose. Thank you. It felt good to sit back and uh, that's Rose. Actually thank you very be much. asked questions this thank time. Thank you guys. You know, so uh, you guys made it happen. Anytime you want to do it, let me know. Somebody's got to be the leader. I yeah. mean, all we're doing is yada yada yada, but hey. you're guiding us. <laughs> sort of. Even though I gave you the questions. Did not. I know. <laughs> Once again, if you'd like to be on the Hartford County Living Show, it is free to come on. I encourage every, anybody and everybody to come on, whether you're an artist, whether you're a musician, own a business, organization, whatever, uh, or just somebody like Rose and wants to ask people questions. You know, come on. It's uh, free. Just contact me at 443-982-0250 or email podcast at hartfordcountyliving.com. And, uh Thank you all the veterans, and happy Veterans Day. I want to thank everybody that's helped support the podcast since I started this back in 2015. And right now you can help even more by going to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Harco Living. That's Har, H-A-R, Co, C-O, then Living. Short for Harford County Living, of course. What I'll do at the end of each episode, I will read the names of the monthly supporters. It could be as low as a dollar, three dollars, you know, whichever you prefer. And as of now, I want to thank our first monthly supporter, Recreating Wellness. Thank you, Anne-Marie.